and lead up to where the calendar of the church year is headed by the end of 2018. That is, to the advent expectation of the coming of Israel's sign. We're going to see, I hope, how the Bible isn't just a random jumble of a little of this and a little of that. Some strange spots here and Oswald Milton there and some Jesus over there. But instead, a single great story where everything holds together has its place. We're going to see, I hope, how the story is the story of the whole world told by God Himself. The story of our creation, fall, and then the mighty acts of God in Christ to save us from ourselves, to put the world to rights, and bring us back into communion with God and with one another. The hope is that by the time we're through, you're going to be able to see how all these parts pull together as one big story. For the rest of your life, when you hear an Old Testament story about Israel, we want you to hear it not as some story by an ancient people long ago and far away, but instead as the story of your life that we are living out as the people of God today. So, where does the story begin? Well, today we started with two stories from Genesis that together make up what you might call the first two chapters of the great story of the Bible, where the first two acts if you have um, ever tried to turn on a television show that starts at 8 o'clock, right? This doesn't happen so much because you Netflix or everything. But if you did, or remember a time when you did, um, and, uh, and, and you don't get there at time. You get there at 8.07 instead. Um, it's a murder mystery, and murder is already happened. Oh, you say. It's no use. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on here. I might as well, I might as well turn it off. Every story is like that. There's always... Something that happens drives the narrative forward. Well, the Bible is like that too. We have to understand what happens at the beginning if we're going to understand the rest of the story. So what happens? Well, the first act, the first thing that happens in the Bible is God's good creation of the world. And then the second thing that happens is the fall of that world into sin and death further than we know how to fix on our own. It makes sense to view these together, not only because they're first, but because when you put them together, they paint for us a picture of the human condition. I wonder if any of you know Douglas Adams' famous sci-fi book, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I guess you call it sci-fi. In that book, uh, those of you who've read it or seen the movie know, the main characters find out that the answer to the ultimate question of life in the universe is I see some no, 42. That's the answer. 42. What does it mean? Well, it's memorable because it's absurd. If the answer to the question of the mystery of life is 42, then clearly none of us have really understood the question. Right? I want to say that the Bible is a little if we don't understand the central question that the Bible starts with, then we're not going to understand the answers that it gives. It's going to make just about as much sense as 42. So what's the question? 
God's good creation on one hand, good creation, be saved from the sin on the other hand that threatens to destroy it. I think that's the central uh, conflict that sets up the drama. Now it would be easier for the rest of the Bible to answer that question if we deny one side of that or the other. Either the goodness or the sin. If we started off by denying that God's creation is really good, for instance, that would make kind of sense of the world we experience, I think. We might look around us and notice how corrupt and selfish people can be, dishonest. And just assume that there isn't anything but corruption and lies and selfishness all the way down to this world. That's it. We might look around us and see how much violence and death there is, and figure that the world's always been that way and always will be. Nature, red in tooth and claw, sort of a cosmic game of thrones, if you will. We might stop believing, actually, that this world is a good place and that it was made by a good God. Lots of people believe that in the ancient world. Most people. They believed in the formation myths and stories, and that's basically what they thought. And I dare say that millions believe it still. And that's true. And that was a true creation story of the world. Then the central question of life would probably be something like, well, since this world is a mess and everyone's in it for themselves, what can I do to if we're all just doomed to a struggle where some wind up on top and some wind up being trampled down, then how am I going to climb my way to the top? Well, I need to tell you that there are lots of people who believe that kind of thing, whether they say they're religious or not. When they say something like, well, that's just the way the world is, that's their creation story. That's their Genesis story. And that gives them, so they think, the justification to act in a certain way. It makes sense to live this way, they say, because that's just the way the world is, and always has been, and always will be. The world is a tough place, and so you have to be tougher than the other guy. You have to look out for yourself and do to him before he does it. Right? Heard that. Well, as commonsensical and realistic as that might sound, the Bible will not let us tell that as our creation story. According to the Bible, that's not the way the world is all the way down. For the Bible, the world isn't just violence and struggle and lies all the way to the bottom. No, instead, it's just the opposite. That's what I want you to notice in the first Genesis story today. The Bible starts off by saying that the world is a good place, a place that a good God made in his wisdom. At bottom, this story is saying the world is meant to be a peaceful harmony where everything has its place and fits together in a kind of poetic view. The day, the night, the sky, the sea, woman and man. That's how the story is meant to be. God just spoke the world into being. And it was so. And God saw that it was very good. For the Bible, the 
story goes on to say that you and I have good work to do in this good creation. We're meant to be caretakers, like Adam and Eve, tilling the soil of the garden and bringing out the goodness that God has in store, using whatever our God-given gifts are to bless and carry on the gift of life. When God tells Adam and Eve in this passage that they have dominion over the earth, I think that's what it means. Not in the sense of dominating or exploiting creation. That's sin. But instead of caring for it as God's good stewards. An example from close to home that brings out what I mean. Charlotte Barbosa told me last week that when our dear brother Anton was thinking about how to do some type of project, he would think about it all the time. He would go to sleep thinking about it. And then he would dream about it. And then he'd wake up in the morning knowing exactly what he was supposed to do. Oh, that's how that's going to fit together. That's how I'm going to carve that. That's how I'm going to do that. Anton was a craftsman, an artist, an artist, looking for goodness and beauty, and then bringing it to life when he saw how it was supposed to work. I think that is what this story is saying we're called to be. We are called to use our God-given gifts to create goodness and beauty in the good world God has made. So whether you are, let's say, a nurse caring for newborn babies, or a lawyer or a police officer working for justice, a scientist exploring the marvelous wonder of the universe, or a parent raising up a child in the way they should go. That is what you're meant to do. You are meant to use your gifts to do what God has created you for. When you do that, you'll find that there are a few things more rewarding than that. It's a beautiful vision. But if the Bible stopped there, it probably wouldn't feel all that true to life, would it? If that were all the Bible had to say about the human condition, it would sound an awful lot like paradise. But the fact is, the world as we find it is not paradise, is it? Unfortunately, we don't all use our gifts to be good stewards of God's creation. Instead, all too often, we live for ourselves. We take what we want, and we treat our God-given gifts like they're our own possessions. What we do when we do this, what we, what we build together isn't paradise, but instead places of real injustice and ugliness, full of empty words and lies, built on the backs of the oppressed and the powerless. That's why the Bible goes on, to tell this second story, not just of creation, but also of creation's fall. Adam and Eve had everything that they could have wanted, but it wasn't enough. They wanted also, I think, to be like God. They wanted to put themselves at the center of creation and define what is good and evil for them. What's good and evil? Whatever is good for me. What's evil? Whatever I don't like. They wanted to live forever that way for themselves, as us. But 
for long we start finding that we're living alone. For long we find that we're just pointing our fingers at one another, like people in the story, blaming someone else for our problems. And the spiral of sin keeps on spiraling down. The human condition, the Bible says, is that we spiral down so far by now that we can't get back to where we came from on our own. Somehow or other, the whole world has been bent and broken by this. There's violence, injustice, and death. We wandered out of paradise, and we can't find our way back again. An angel guards the passageway in with a flaming sword, turning this way and that. Thank you. 